Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Tonight, fake vaccine card accusations. It'll be very serious for the people involved. The Burnaby Dispensary at the center of fraud allegations and the severe consequences it's facing. Plus... I knew I had to take a predator and put him in the right place. A former VPD officer is sentenced for sexually assaulting a colleague. And the high-speed car chase that left an innocent cyclist injured and looking for justice. They get to walk free and... I still got to live with all these injuries for the rest of my life. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We begin tonight with serious allegations involving a Burnaby pharmacy. It's no longer dispensing prescriptions today, and an investigation has been launched into its handling of vaccine cards. Keith Baldry joins us now with the details on this. Keith. It involves a Burnaby uh, pharmacy, Colleen, a- allegations of fraud uh, revolving around allegations of, of them putting false information into the healthcare system about the vaccination status of individuals, allowing unvaccinated people to download vaccination cards that were based on false information. Very serious uh, allegation. Uh, there, today, Health Minister Adrian Dix invoking Section 45 of the Pharmaceutical Services Act, a rarely used section before, giving him the power to immediately suspend the uh, access of this pharmacy to farmer care payments. That will be in effect for the course of the investigation. We caught up with the minister in Kamloops today. At the moment already, um, the, um, the revoking of billing under PharmaCare is huge for pharmacy, for pharmacy, and that's a significant step and speaks to the level of concern we have because uh, I don't recall in recent times doing that as Minister of Health. Keith, do we know what the BC Association of Pharmacists is saying about this tonight? Yeah, they put out a very uh, strongly worded statement just a short time ago. Here's a statement from them. These are are serious allegations. We support the ministry's investigation. The integrity of BC's vaccine program is extremely important to the BC Pharmacy Association. Now, I want to stress, this is just one pharmacy. It's part of a national chain, but this is just one pharmacy we're talking about here. I'm also told that what triggered this investigation, one of the contributing factors, is the system picked up the fact that a number of people seem to have traveled long distances to this one pharmacy to get vaccinated, in this case, falsely vaccinated. So people travel long distances. That triggers, sets off some alarm bells in the system. Investigations launched. This pharmacy faces significant discipline and action if found guilty of these allegations. They could lose their license and also face uh, prosecution. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Free rapid test kits for COVID-19 are now available to all adults at pharmacies across the province, but there doesn't appear to be an overwhelming demand for them, especially among certain age groups. Anyone 18 and older can now pick up a kit containing five tests and that you can pick them up every four weeks. Most of the kits, for most of the kits, um, more than a third have gone to those 70 and older. About a quarter went to those in their 60s, but the numbers remain low for those 50 and under. Overall, more than 2.7 million tests have been handed out in B.C. 
And here's a look at our COVID-19 numbers for the past 24 hours. There are 255 people in hospital. 52 of those patients are in the ICU. There have been six more deaths recorded due to complications of the virus. And we have 271 new confirmed cases. A so-called freedom convoy in the Okanagan has resulted in a number of noise complaints. Almost every day, participants have been gathering near Skaha Lake Road in Penticton before driving throughout the Okanagan. The honking, music and crowd has prompted a number of people to complain to the city. The organizers say they're now trying to keep the noise down. We just want to uh, make sure that everything's peaceful and, and the freedoms are expressed and um, there's not too much public disruption. I will also agree with you on that. The, the honking, if, it, if it's, if it, like we, we went through, um, what was this, what is this town? Penticton. Penticton. We went through, uh, was it Cologne or Penticton? We went through it, I said one time. I, I said I will not go more than one time around the city. The protesters say they plan to continue their rally and convoy until their message is heard. A former Vancouver police officer has been sentenced to one year in jail for sexual assault. Jagraj Brar was sentenced this morning in North Vancouver court for an assault two years ago. As Andrea McPherson reports, the sentence represents vindication, but not without sacrifice for the victim. Jagraj Brar was taken away in handcuffs from North Vancouver Provincial Court this morning, whispering to his wife to stay strong. The judge handed the former VPD officer one year in prison for sexual assault stemming from an incident in his Whistler Hotel suite in July 2019. The victim, another VPD member. She and the offender were colleagues but did not know each other prior to the incident. Barrar was found guilty in October 2021 after performing a sexual act on the victim in the suite after she had thrown up and blacked out. When I set out on this journey, I knew that I would suffer career-wise. I knew that I would suffer emotionally. I knew all of that but I knew I had to take a predator and put him in the right place and so that was just uh, a culmination of everything that I've suffered through for the last couple of years. A friend of the victim's been by her side since the beginning and was also in court when the sentence came down. Seeing him in handcuffs was something we've waited for a long time to see. Uh, it's what was just and I'm just so happy that she stood her ground. Brar will also have to submit a DNA sample. The victim, who cannot be identified, told me outside of court that sitting in silence is unhealthy, and she's encouraging anyone who's been victimized to stand up. Andrea McPherson, Global News. A former Kelowna social worker who pleaded guilty to stealing thousands of dollars from vulnerable youth in his care admits his crimes were opportunistic. During day four of his sentencing hearing, Robert Riley Saunders admitted that he opened joint accounts for 24 youth in his care so he could misappropriate funds that were supposed to be for them. That included housing fees from the Ministry of Children and Family Development, as well as startup funds for foster kids who aged out of care. Saunders allegedly stole up to $500,000 over the years. Many youth in his care claim his actions left them homeless and susceptible to exploitation and drug addiction. Saunders' sentencing hearing will continue Friday. 
The Surrey RCMP is looking for information about a shooting Wednesday night at around 9.30 in a residential neighborhood. It happened in the 15200 block of Flamingo Place. A 19-year-old man was later located in Newton. He was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. Police say the shooting appears to be targeted. A neighbor says it was lucky no one was hurt in the hail of stray bullets, some of which hit his truck and his home. I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I heard the pop, 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 which was the gunfires out here. And so I automatically got out of my chair and ran into the kitchen for cover. I looked out the kitchen window. I seen all the gunfiring going on. Told my wife to stay in the living room so she wouldn't get hurt. It's not right. Police are hoping anyone with information or dash cam footage of the incident will get in touch with them. He was just 12 when, while riding his bike, Mateus Pauls was struck by two people who later pleaded guilty to dangerous driving. Now 16 and 10 surgeries later, he still hasn't fully recovered from those injuries. Today, two of the drivers involved were sentenced, but as Romina Dea reports, it's hardly the justice Mateus was hoping for. 12-year-old Mateus Pauls suffered catastrophic injuries, a broken leg, collarbone, shoulder, nerve damage, a hole in his abdomen, a kidney removed. The young boy, now 16, in court Thursday to hear the sentence for the men responsible. I'm not very happy about it, but it's like, I can't fight it. No jail time for 57-year-old David Batista and 32-year-old Brendan Hulsema. It's hard because, you know, you, we're going through all this uh, knowing you know, no one's going to get a maximum. Mateus riding his bike in front of his Langley School October 2017 when two vehicles reaching speeds of over 100 kilometers an hour ultimately smash into the teen in a 50 zone, knocking him out of his shoes. Hulsama's lawyer says his client was attempting to make a citizen's arrest after Batista stole a leaf blower and a chainsaw from a job site. A plea deal struck, both accused pleading guilty to dangerous driving. The more serious charges of dangerous driving causing bodily harm stayed. It's difficult to go through all that and then basically know that these guys can just walk out of their houses anytime that they want. Justice Winteringham sentencing Batista and Hulsama to a conditional sentence of two years less a day to be served in the community. A one-year driving prohibition plus a DNA order. It's what both defense and Crown ask for. It just sucks that I have all these, got all these injuries and went through hell in the hospital and I just, they, and they get two years of whatever. It's Hulsama's first criminal offense. Batista has a history of property-related crimes. Defense says both are remorseful, but Batista is the only one who tells the court he's sincerely sorry. These guys are getting two years less a day, slap on the wrist, right? So we get a life sentence. Ten surgeries and counting. Mateus still in a lot of pain. The young man fighting for a future, forever grateful for his family and friends for never giving up on him. Romina Dea, Global News.
And a cyclist is recovering in hospital from serious injuries after being hit this morning on Scott Road. The cyclist was hit in the 9,000 block of 120th Street just after 9.30. The force of the crash sent the bike right under the van. Scott Road was closed for several hours while police investigated. ICBC data shows four cyclists have been hit in the area over the past five years. While there's plenty of east-west cycling infrastructure in the area, the closest north-south bike lane is eight blocks away. The cyclist is expected to recover. When you rent a home, you and the landlord agree to a price and a set of rules. But there's one rule you may not know about. A B.C. couple says their landlord is charging them $100 a month more because they had a baby. The warning for renters and tenants in just over a minute. your favorite color now? She took a chance on love but ended up brokenhearted and nearly broke. Now a warning for others. And three times a charm, the Vancouver studio hoping for an Oscar trifecta on Sunday. Those stories coming up on the NewsHour. An Nanaimo couple is facing a rent hike because of an additional occupant in their home, their baby. Uh, the rent increase was spelled out in the family's rental agreement with the landlord, but now a B.C. government minister says it's troubling and wants it investigated. Krista Dow has more. This is my magic screen. Is it? Yeah. It's a space of learning, listening, birdwalk past beaver, and laughing. <laughs> the limited square footage means the Marston family has had to be creative to make the most of their space. Oh. Pet friendly, use of the yard. We're on a month-to-month lease. Uh, we're paying eleven hundred plus uh, hydro. Last month, they were told their monthly rent would increase, and the reason why came as a surprise. Last week, we received an email from the landlord stating that our rent would be increasing by $100 a month uh, because of the addition of this one to the household. The family moved in almost four years ago. Their second child arrived in December of 2020. Patrick Marston says their issue is not with the landlord, who is a pensioner, but rather with the Tenancy Act itself. And he says there needs to be more restrictions in place. There's no guidelines as to timeline of notice, how much the increase could be. In this rental market, I mean, if you're at the point of signing a lease, you're not going to walk away. There's nowhere else to go. Hang on. One landlord advocacy group says the definition of an occupant is up to the landlord themselves and can include babies. The idea of having you know, more people living in the unit, means that there's more use. And when there's more use, there's more more wear and tear. But others we spoke with aren't so sure. Whether or not a one-year-old baby counts as an occupant is a little unclear in my opinion. Um, the Residential Tenancy Act doesn't doesn't clearly um, confirm or deny that. We reached out to the Attorney General to weigh in on this. In a statement, David Eby says, it seems bizarre that having a child would be understood by anyone as being an event that would increase your rent or cost you your home. We will look at provincial law and policy to consider whether amendments are required to address this apparently novel and troubling situation. Meanwhile, Marston does acknowledge the landlord is within her right. But with so much grey area around the clause, he's hoping the government can help fill in the blank. Krista Dow, Global News. The NDP government announced today another expansion of its $10 a day childcare program. But it comes as several daycares claim they're dealing with problems getting their funding and may have to hit families with big fee increases. Kylie Stanton explains. Four leaves over. Searching for luck? No need to look. 
any further. So many of our families are really excited. Today and tomorrow, Learning Society is just one of the child care facilities now offering the coveted $10 a day program. It was like Christmas. We got to tell them um, the best gift ever and for years they're going to save. The 757 spaces announced today are a part of the government's commitment to provide 3,750 $10 a day spots as part of budget 2021. That number has to increase to 12,500 spaces by the end of this year in order to qualify for a federal funding partnership. And while that number only accounts for less than 10% of the 128,000 spaces across the province, the government says it intends to keep its promise, universal $10 a day childcare. Well, I'm not going to put a date on it. I, I know better than to do that. But uh, we're every day we're working towards... Um, achieving that goal that we set for the province. But that's becoming harder to believe for some providers. So what do you want to do about tomorrow and staffing? Sandra Christian is among many. They're on the brink of having to increase their fees as much as $350 per child because they still don't know if the provincial government will approve their funding for fee reduction by the April 1st deadline. How do we have these conversations with parents who have been constantly hearing Reduced fees, reduction in childcare fees, $10 a day, we're taking care of it, we've got your back. Shine and they shine and they According shine. According to the ministry, all providers will be approved in time, as long as they're not seeking a base fee increase. And if they are, they have the opportunity to defer that request beyond April. It's inexplicable. Uh, it's got to be bad management. And childcare providers, they don't have that money in the bank to be able to, to fund that themselves. And so it, it's the burden is going to parents. In a statement, Minister of State Katrina Chen said, we are working with all providers to approve applications within our stated timelines for the coming year and ensuring that parents see the maximum possible benefit in the form of reduced monthly fees. <laughs> but for now, that only applies to a lucky few. It's too good to be true. The rest have no choice but to wait and see if that's really the case. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Get ready to pay more if you use transit. The TransLink Board of Directors has approved an average 2.3% fare increase effective July 1st. An adult fare will go up between 5 and 15 cents, concession by 5 to 10 cents. A monthly adult pass goes up by between $2.30 and $4.15. TransLink canceled the previously planned 2020 fare hike and lowered one for 2021 during the pandemic when ridership plummeted. Ridership is still down but is expected to recover to between 80 and 90 percent by the end of the year. The District of Sycamus is trying to get a handle on short-term rentals in the community. With its location at the end of Mara Lake, Sycamus is a popular summer holiday destination. Officials believe a significant number of homes may be used as Airbnbs, and a quick web search returns around 100 available spaces. But right now, those rentals are largely unregulated. A proposed bylaw would require operators to have a business license, similar to licenses hotels need to operate. Operators would also have to collect provincial and municipal taxes. If you follow all the regulations and you play by the rules, then I don't see us ever taking away your opportunity to be a short-term rental operator. But we're going to put rules into place that if you're not looking after it, uh, we're going to be we're going to enforce this. I just don't think it's necessary, and 
I think there are responsible um, people that are doing renting their homes, you know, and for vacation rentals here. I think there are some responsible people here. And all it's going to do is, um, you know, their cost is going to be um, exuberant. The district is planning another open house on the issue next month and hoping to pass the new regulations by the beginning of June. Up next, a former B.C. resident's efforts to feed Ukrainian refugees and why it's proving to be so difficult. Plus... I'm sure you understand that Russia does not have any intention of stopping in Ukraine. NATO leaders in Brussels hold an extraordinary meeting to address the crisis next. Plus, no pregnancy, no side effects. The male birth control men may actually want to use. Traffic is steady over here in both directions at the Port Van Bridge after a really busy commute. Eastbound traffic was delayed earlier due to a crash that was at mid-span. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Hewison in Global One at the Port Van Bridge. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. Today marks one month since the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Russian attacks by air, sea, and on the ground have become more intense and more cruel by the day. But Ukrainians have mounted a fierce resistance, holding on and pushing back. Global's Dan Grummet has the latest. Under a backdrop of blackened apartment buildings, people in Mariupol line up for food, water, and electricity. Aid distributed by Russia after four weeks of battering their city with bombs and bullets. We are planning on leaving, but it's very difficult, this woman says. I have to get my husband's death certificate and bury him properly. I can't leave him in a flower bed. On Thursday, Ukrainian officials said Russian forces have taken thousands of Ukrainians to Russia against their will. Their unverified estimates ranging from 15,000 to as many as 400,000 people. Russia has said it is evacuating civilians of their own free will. At least some are staying at this temporary shelter, two hours east of Mariupol in Russia. We were brought to vehicles marked with a Z and given bread, says this Mariupol resident. They told us everything will be fine. Take a seat in a bus. We are saving people here. Meanwhile, people continue to flee to the west, some too young to walk. UNICEF said Thursday the war has displaced more than half of Ukraine's seven and a half million children. Most haven't left the country where war rages on. Ukraine says it's making military progress, recapturing parts of Kyiv, and claims to have struck a Russian supply ship in a port near Mariupol. The claim has not been verified, nor has Russia's claim that it's captured a town southeast of Kharkiv, where some families have now spent an entire month underground. Dan Grummet, Global News. Robert Turner is chief of staff for the United Nations World Food Program. He also happens to be from Salmon Arm. And for the last two weeks, he's been on the ground in Ukraine, Poland and Moldova, trying to feed Ukrainian refugees. Boxes of food urgently making their way to Ukraine. 
as the United Nations World Food Program responds to the emergency situation in the war-ravaged country. Among those spearheading the massive effort is a former Salmon Arm resident who is now chief of staff for what is the world's largest humanitarian organization. It's about getting as much food in as quickly as we can, particularly to communities that we fear may become besieged. We've provided food assistance to more than 700,000 people uh, inside Ukraine. Uh, that'll be a million by the end of this month. It'll be two and a half million uh, during the course of April. But the biggest challenge, Turner says, is access, particularly in the hardest hit areas. The areas that you're seeing on TV where people, you know, there's no running water, where the power is out, there's no fuel, no food or limited, um, we simply can't get there. The dire situation in Ukraine expected to have major implications on food security and prices right around the world. In the Sahel area of, of West Africa, dramatic need increase. Uh, we have drought in the Horn of Africa and Somalia, Kenya, Ethiopia, 13 million people require food assistance. Yemen, we've already had to reduce rations for 8 million people. Um, Afghanistan, we're afraid that we won't be able to sustain the operations. And that has the organization pleading for financial help as the war in Ukraine has the potential to make things even worse. That is our fear, is that the, particularly the resource drain uh, to fund the Ukraine operations will mean decreased funding for some other critical operations. As I say, the conflict in Ukraine is having impact far beyond uh, that region. Um, and so it's a global problem, requires a global response. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. One more step towards real equality. I'm excited because this is something different, this is something non-hormonal. The new pill, why this male birth control may be a game changer. And no room at the port of Vancouver, the impacts of this international traffic jam. Next. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge tonight, but do keep in mind overnight maintenance causes lane closures for southbound traffic until 7 a.m. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Fast police work has led to the arrest of two suspects in a costly smash-and-grab in Kitsilano. Early Wednesday morning, neighbors called police after hearing the sounds of smashing glass on a security alarm near 4th and Arbutus. $16,000 worth of goods had been stolen from the Lululemon clothing store. Soon after, VPD officers pulled over a cab seen leaving the area with no lights on. They arrested two suspects and recovered the stolen items. One of the two men was also wanted for outstanding warrants. 31 years ago today, a little boy went missing in Victoria, sparking a massive search and one of the most heartbreaking mysteries in B.C. history. Four-year-old Michael Donaghy vanished on March 24, 1991. He was playing at Blanchard Elementary School when his parents took their eyes off him for just a moment. Despite a massive search and unprecedented police investigation that generated thousands of tips, there's been no sign of him. Police have released a number of age-enhanced sketches throughout the years, the latest one released last year. Michael would be 35 years old now. The Port of Vancouver says it's managing to increase its shipping volume despite the pandemic. But as Ted Chernecki reports, it's warning about a made-in-Canada supply chain problem down the road if something isn't done about container capacity. It's the country's largest port. Politicians like to say Canada and the United States are each other's biggest trading partner. True, but here it's all about China. 
Almost everything here comes from and goes to Asia, especially China. We had record container volumes through the port last year, 6% up on the year before. In fact, over the last 10 years, we've seen 5% average growth year on year in containers. In Richmond, you can see them stacked sky high. Shipping containers are being used so much now that there's nowhere convenient to put them. Any empty industrial land near Roberts Bank is full. Despite all the flooding, washed out rail lines, the pandemic, labor unrest, the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority is reporting an overall increase in volume of 1% from a year ago. And in fact, the two cranes you see nearest to us are cranes that have just been installed in the last 12 months. The container terminal in Burrard Inlet is just completing another relatively small expansion, but the port says it won't be anywhere near enough. What worries me is with the growth rates we're seeing, we're going to run out of container capacity on the West Coast in about the next five years. When it comes to container traffic, 62% is to and from China, 11.5% Japan, 10% Korea, 6 Taiwan. 90% of all traffic involves just those four countries. The terminal would be built adjacent to the existing Roberts Bank terminals. It's also why the port is so keen on building Terminal 2. If built, it would increase capacity at Roberts Bank by 50%. It's been under environmental review by Ottawa for nine years. Submissions from those stakeholders opposed to it, and there are many, close at the end of this month. We're confident that project can be moved forward without negative environmental impact, and we really need to see that project move forward to make sure we don't have made-in-Canada supply chain problems. Despite posting another increase in volume traded, the port's president believes inefficiencies are already starting to show. Shipping companies are frustrated that they have to wait for Canadian exporters to refill those containers. Rather than wait, more of them this year than last are being sent back across the Pacific empty. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Researchers are planning to begin human trials later this year for the first male birth control pill. Scientists from the University of Minnesota say they've developed an oral contraceptive that is 99% effective and has no unpleasant side effects. Some men embrace the role of fatherhood, but for those who are not ready, their main choices are condoms, a vasectomy, or relying on women to manage contraception. Soon, they could have a new option. We are very optimistic and very hopeful. Scientists at the University of Minnesota developed a pill for men that blocks a vitamin A producing gene needed for conception. After a four week test on mice, researchers say the pill dramatically reduced sperm counts and was 99% effective in preventing pregnancy without harmful side effects. We target non-hormonal pathways so that we wouldn't have those hormonal side effects. The mice could be fathers again four to six weeks after they stopped receiving the compound. As a urologist, I'm, I'm excited because this is something different. This is something non-hormonal. Medical experts caution while the findings are encouraging, they're also preliminary. We have to wait. It may take years before we actually see this as an option for men. For people we spoke to here in Times Square, a birth control pill for men is an idea whose time has come. Overall, more safety during sex, you know, for both partners, that'd be beneficial, especially for me, so I would take it. I probably would try it out, you know, while I'm still young, at least. And then when I get older, I just let it rip. <laughs> if the FDA gives the okay, clinical trials for humans could begin within six months. Laura Podesta, CBS News, New York. Coming up next, a victim's warning. 
What you should know after a woman lost her life savings through a crypto romance scam. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Swindled out of her life savings, a Calgary woman is bravely sharing her story, hoping others will learn from her costly mistake. She missed all the warning signs, falling in love, then falling victim to one of Canada's top scams. I was looking for someone who wanted to be there for the long run. So Cheryl looked for love online and met Yang. I was already emotionally hooked from day one. Yang hooked her in all right, telling her everything she wanted to hear. To build a family, to build a home. Building trust. That's why Cheryl, who we're not identifying over safety concerns, says she went along with his advice to invest in cryptocurrency. You know, I took 4000 that I had, took out a $95,000 loan. So now I have 110, 120, and it looks like for me I've gained like five times that. The gains continued until Yang told her to withdraw it. All. And at that point, I had like 625000 with with my income and all the profits. But in order to get approval to get it out, she says she was told to put more in. So she took out more loans. I was trusting him and trusting the company based on the information he would give me. Was he working with this company, do you believe? I believe he was. She didn't believe it. Not until last month when Yang didn't show up for his Calgary visit. I'm just waiting. Waiting and waiting. So after 45 minutes of waiting, I left. And, and that was actually, you know, the last time I spoke to him. It was also the last time she saw any of her money, profit or investment. How much of your money did you put in? 280000 Cryptocurrency and romance really just don't mix. The numbers prove it. 2021 was red hot with 1,900 romance scam reports for a loss of $64 million plus. Crypto even bigger, $120 million in losses just in Canada. It's very easy after the fact to say should have seen the red flags. The fact is we do miss the red flags because they are professionals. You know, when the heart's involved, when we're feeling vulnerable, it's very easy to fall victim to these scams. Cheryl learned her lesson, a very, very costly one. The past 10 years that I built for my future and my retirement is now just gone. Tomasio De Silva, Global News. Time to check in with Christy and the weather forecast. Christy, today was the opposite of yesterday. It started out nice and it's kind of transitioned. But you know what, Colleen, we'll still take it. The kids are still out playing, the flowers are out, and it's dry. That's the key thing. So yes, there's some cloud cover right now, but uh, compared to what we've been dealing with so far this spring break, it's pretty nice. And lots of people are out enjoying today. So here's a look at some of your photos. This is a great shot looking out uh, over a f street of either plum or cherry blossoms. Thank you to Ryan for that great shot. And people enjoying not only the look of the mountains and the snow in the mountains, but also the lakes now. This is Weaver Lake, which is not too far from uh, Harrison Lake. And look at this shot from White Rock showing the daffodils across the region. So great day, that's for sure. Tomorrow you can expect a fair amount of cloud cover as well. We certainly have a front that's pushing onshore, but overall it is looking dry. The majority of the rainfall is actually going to be north of Metro Vancouver. So Sunshine Coast will see it. Northern parts of Vancouver Island will as well. And uh, areas like uh, Squamish as well. But for the most part, 
Southern Vancouver Island, Metro Vancouver will be dry with overcast skies again. Hopefully it's bright at least. Uh, and then as we head into our Friday night and into our Saturday, that's when we're going to see the wave of moisture push into our region. So for the interior regions, you'll also see some of that moisture. But overall, Friday not looking too bad except for those northern sections of Vancouver Island. Uh, so uh, just keep me up to date if you don't mind on what graphic you're seeing. Um, when we look at the five-day forecast, you'll see that... The South, okay, south, south coast region. So uh, certainly those northern areas north of Nanaimo that will mainly see the moisture. So Metro Vancouver, one more overcast day. day not too bad, though, with rain Friday night and Saturday, just showers though, on Sunday. And I'll leave you with tonight's Central Windows weather window, which is showing uh, a really great action shot from this morning when there was a bit of fog with still some sunshine out there. This is in Fort Langley. So thank you to, so much to either Jean or Jean for that one. Beautiful. All right. Thanks so much, Christy. Uh, Squire, you made it. I did. My tire was a little askew because I was running so fast to beat my tie out of position. <laughs> Incredible speed. Okay, so you know what, Colleen, tonight could be a very historic evening for Canadian men's soccer because if they beat Costa Rica, and even if they don't beat Costa Rica and some good things happen, for the first time since 1986... We will be in the World Cup of Men's Soccer. So exciting. I know. Awesome. Okay, can't wait for that. And still to come. We're working on Blade Runner (laughs) or or Dune. Why Sunday night could be another big one at the Oscars for a BC visual effects studio. Stay with us. Attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. All right, Squire is here. Big soccer news. Lots of big soccer news, uh, both for Canada and Italy and North Macedonia, for that matter. (laughs) We'll get to all that in a moment. But uh, Bruce Boudreaux said the other day he thought his team would be more relaxed, more focused after the trade deadline passed because a lot of guys didn't know if they would still be in Vancouver. And he was right. He was also right about starting Yaroslav Halak last night in Colorado because the Canucks pulled off a huge upset beating the Avalanche in Denver. Very few teams have done that this year. And tonight Vancouver is in Minnesota. So that's a quick turnaround. Not going to be an easy game. But Vancouver has been a very good road team of late. JT Miller talking about, I don't know what with Luke Shen, but Luke Shen was not very happy shortly after that, fighting Marcus Foligno and landing on top of him. So we'll give uh, Shen the decision. First goal of the game by the Canucks. Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, three on one. Nice save by Cam Talbot. The puck bounces off a wild defender right out in front. And Bo Horvat is there to accept the gift and deposit it behind Cam Talbot. So it's a 1-0 lead for the Canucks. Kio Kaprizov, this guy has a wicked shot. And it vaporizes right by Thatcher Demko. So it's 1-1. I would think Demko would like this one back. Early in the second period, quick turnaround off a of faceoff by Kevin Fiala. So after two periods, Minnesota has a 2-1 lead over Vancouver. The Canucks and a few other teams would like to see Dallas lose tonight, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. The uh, Stars do hold the final wild card spot in the West. Third period, Carolina up 2-1, but Rope Hints will make it 
but Nino Niederreiter would give the Canes back the lead. Niederreiter tipping that one in. Second of the game, 3-2. Looks good for Carolina. Ropey hints again. And now they are in the shootout, so Dallas is definitely going to get a point out of this game in Carolina. Well, this could be the night. The drought ends for Canada's men's soccer team. As we said yesterday, there are various scenarios for the Canadians to clinch a spot in this year's World Cup. They're playing Costa Rica in Costa Rica. The most direct way to make the World Cup this year, and of course Canada hasn't made it since 1986, is to win. Win and you're in, but there are some other scenarios as well. Now, Italy today was knocked out of World Cup qualifying by, of all teams, North Macedonia. And they did this in Italy. Injury time, 0-0. The Italians had dominated the game, but Alexander Trakovsky would score here from distance. It is just astonishing. He used to play in Palermo where this game was played. And this is the strike that breaks the hearts of Italy. Italy won Euros, but they've missed the last two World Cups. Very odd. And North Macedonia still has a chance to make this year's World Cup. This will be talked about for a long time in both Italy and in North Macedonia. There is much celebration in Skopje tonight. There you go. Up in Prince George, Canada and the U.S. Women's World Curling Championships. Pretty easy game for the Canadians. They stole four in the first three ends, score three here in the fifth, so Canada's record is now seven and two after a big win over the Americans. Let's go to the NBA and see what's up with the Raptors. OG Ananobi returning to the lineup after missing a month with a broken finger. Scotty Barnes, like the last name, like the way he plays too. The no look to Pascal Siakam for the dunk, 58-48 Toronto at halftime and then Scotty can dunk too. That's it. Attack the rack. Fred Van Vliet. Spins around the century mark. 117-104 final for Toronto over Cleveland. Last but not least, World Golf Championship match play from Austin, Texas. Mackenzie Hughes of Canada. Eagle putt on 16, wins his match against Max Homa, two up. He's got a one and one record in his group, has to win tomorrow and get some help to get into the playoff to advance to the final 16. Bryson DeChambeau was taking on Lee Westwood. DeChambeau needing an eight footer for par to tie the match and get a half point, but... Oh, that is a tragedy. He will not advance to the next round. 0-1-1 in his two matches. Corey Connors won his match, he is two and oh. Ooh, and oh. So, let's hope for a big Canadian night in Costa Rica. Yes, fingers crossed. Awesome. Thanks right. so much, Squire. Okay. Okay, the words of Vancouver Visual Effects Studio is hoping to hear Sunday night. We'll have that story for you next. Awards will be held on Sunday in Los Angeles, and at least one BC film production studio will be watching and waiting to see if their work will be rewarded with another Oscar. As Jay Durant tells us on This Is BC, they're making Hollywood North proud again. 
What more is there for the audience to see after a visually stunning Oscar contender finishes at the theater? Unless, of course, you worked on the movie. So if you, if you see a group of people cheering at the very end for no reason, that's normally all the visual effects people. You wait for the credits at the end to see your name. Everyone does that. <laughs> Despite all the success, there's a very unassuming attitude at Vancouver's DNEG studio, even after winning a couple of Oscars and countless other awards. They've created incredible effects for some of film's most iconic franchises. Robin Luckham leads a talented team that is well aware of just how lucky they are to be doing this type of work. You take a step back and go, well, look what we're actually doing. You know, we're working on Blade Runner <laughs> or, or Dune. And then we're like, okay, great. And it kind of spurs you on going a bit further. He had a feeling Dune would be another hit for his studio after getting feedback from his number one test audience. What did mom and dad have to say about <laughs> My mom thought it was uh, spectacular and my dad said, yeah, it, was, it looked hot. <laughs> what started as a small branch of 50 employees in 2014 has grown to 500 and they've been leading the way in visual effects on many blockbusters. There won't be any glamour for Luckham on Hollywood's biggest night. He'll be sticking close to home for the Oscars. I'm probably going to be in the pub in Bowen Island, I think, trying to get them to get, turn the TV on. Dean Egg may need a bigger trophy case, but all the accolades do nothing to change their perspective. You can't believe it a little bit, and then you realise, well, you know, you just have to be humble to it, enjoy what you've got, and uh, see what the next challenge is. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you've got a great BC story to tell, email Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. A pub on Bowen Island. Now we know where to send our cameras to get his reaction if they win. Right? Well, yes, you're right. I should talk about something else. <laughs> okay, never mind. Thinking, how do you get the boat? Oh, yes, a ferry. A Excellent. ferry. You can take a boat there, apparently. Yeah, it is right. an island. Mm -hmm. uh, Christy, last word on the forecast? Sure. So we really are anticipating a dry day tomorrow. Areas near the mountain, maybe a little bit of drizzle, slight shower, but overall one more dry day to be able to get out there and enjoy it. Northern Vancouver Island, some rain though. Have a great night, everybody. That guy's going to the pub. He's going to the pub. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.